Hi, everyone, and welcome to She Talks Law, a Nixon Peabody podcast by women for women. On this podcast, we share legal knowledge, industry insights, empower one another, and talk about the journey from I wish I could to I did it. I'm your host, Jen Javesky, and today I'm joined by Nixon Peabody partner, Michelle Masucci, and Kate Woods, Chief Legal and Compliance Officer and Senior Vice President of Human Resources at Schweiger Dermatology. Today, the three of us are going to discuss working at a high growth healthcare company, managing the human resources challenges that the pandemic caused, particularly in the healthcare setting, the importance of placing value in company culture, and how we can better elevate women in the workforce. I'm your host and an attorney in Nixon Peabody's M&A and Corporate Transactions Group. I've had the wonderful privilege of being mentored by some of the best and brightest women in business and in law, and want to share those tools with other women as they re-enter and even reinvent themselves in this post-pandemic normal. Before we begin our conversation, I want to briefly introduce our guests. So Michelle Masuji is a partner at Nixon Peabody. She represents healthcare companies and middle market private equity firms in connection with their transactions and regulatory needs. Michelle has particular expertise in providing legal counsel in the areas of dermatology, dental, ophthalmology, physical therapy, infusion, dialysis, and pharmacy. She represents companies throughout their life cycle from startups to fully mature. And Kate Woods, hi, Kate. Hi. Kate is the Chief Legal and Compliance Officer and SVP, Senior Vice President. That's me. All right. Senior Vice President of Human Resources at Schweiger Dermatology. She provides strategic counsel regarding compliance, human resources, risk management, privacy, cybersecurity, and industry applicable laws and regulations with a special emphasis on supporting and implementing corporate compliance programs in the healthcare space to position the business for sale, growth, and sustainability. So welcome, Michelle and Kate. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Jennifer. Michelle, can you just introduce yourself first and describe what your work might look like on a day-to-day basis? Sure. Um, I'm a partner in the healthcare group at Nixon Peabody, and I represent healthcare clients primarily on two fronts in terms of transactions, when they do transactions with other healthcare providers or um, private equity firms. I represent private equity firms when they buy healthcare companies, and I represent the portfolio companies on a daily basis with all the things that they do. So in many ways, I'm the quarterback when they have questions regarding compliance, human resources, sometimes even real estate. I might not do the work, but I'll be able to field the questions. Great. Thank you. And Kate, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work at Schweiger? Sure, Jen. I am the Chief Legal and Compliance Officer and, of course, do oversee human resources. So most of my days are spent really dealing with people issues, whether it's an employee, a patient, doctors and providers through acquisition or as our employees. I spend my day looking at our legal risks and employee risks, both in retaining and attracting them and helping the CEO and CFO navigate the waters to, you know, uh, a successful year and a successful outcome for our strategic goals. And can you tell me a little bit about 
um, what led you to Schweiger Dermatology? Like what was your journey like before Schweiger and ultimately that led you to join Schweiger? That is a long story. So I will try to keep it short, but you know, it's a combination of luck and focus. How I came to be with Schweiger, which is, you know, one of my favorite companies that I've ever been at is, you know, I've been in healthcare law and compliance since graduation from law school. And I have worked with private equity backed entrepreneurial companies, very staid, mature health insurance companies. I like the entrepreneurial space. I really enjoy working with entrepreneurs who basically see a white page and decide what it's going to look like and have on it. And they're willing to one, take the risk to build their vision, but they are also uh, very, you know, the good ones, which I think Dr. Schweiger is, they are able to inspire others to see that vision and want to help build it. So the short story on how I ended up at Schweiger Dermatology Group is I met Dr. Schweiger and he asked me to come join him as his compliance officer. You know, how I was introduced to him was through, you know, mutual professional relationships in the private equity space. And I like working with and helping healthcare providers. You know, they do good work. It's important work. It's meaningful work. And, uh, I like to help them with their practices and to build their companies. Yeah, that's something that definitely resonates with me. Um, as I said earlier, I'm an M&A attorney here at Nixon Peabody. So I do a lot of mergers and acquisitions and I'm very, um, something that really draws me to, especially some of our startup clients is that I so much value and appreciate people that just see that white page and then can create something out of what to many people would see as a huge obstacle and a huge burden and take up too much time and too much money and too much of everything. And Michelle, how long have you been working with Schweiger Dermatology? I have been representing um, Eric since I think it's got to be almost 15 years from when he raised his first million dollars. Um, Again, I was introduced to him through Another person who just did his first, he was a physical therapist and he had just done his first uh, private equity deal. And he introduced me to um, Eric to help him on the healthcare regulatory issues in New York. So it's been, it's been quite a long time and a fun time. And he's done so many interesting things and he just had a vision and he went for it and surrounded himself with a lot of smart people. That must be really neat to be able to see a company from the very beginning all the way through. Now, Schweiger is, how many locations does Schweiger have, Kate? 90 locations in four states and, you know, growing. And I will say over 300 providers. Wow. That's very impressive. Very impressive. Close to 1,300 employees. And so, Michelle, when you started, oh, there, there must have been a hand. It was one, one office. And I, my, kids, my kids are 22 now. But I, as time has gone on, I've been able to drive by Schweiger Dermatology offices and, and tell them. And it's, it's been cool for them to share a journey, too. Yeah, that would be fun. There's another one. There's another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... 
as wonderful as growth is, it must come with some challenges though. So Kate, in your role, can you tell us about some of the challenges um, that you've come across um, and how you've guided the company through that? So I think different aspects of the role, different challenges. One challenge is always that healthcare itself, especially by regulation, can be slow, but growth needs to be rapid. (laughs) So it's always um, the balance of how can I help the business do things quickly and implement the vision where I rely on counsel like Michelle to help us get through, especially with acquisitions. How can we do them quickly? How can we do them in compliance with rules that we need to follow? But also as importantly, how can we keep the people that we're attracting or acquiring enthused about the partnership and the merger, or frankly, if they're new hires, how do we keep them enthused through really rapid times of growth, which means, you know, it's like growing pains. It's like a teenager. If you're rapidly growing, there's going to be some great stuff happening and there's going to be mistakes and errors and just some bumps along the way. I think one thing we do is we acknowledge upfront, especially during acquisition uh, and for larger practices that we expect that some mistakes or errors will occur. What we promise is that we'll fix them. We can't promise that they won't occur, but we can promise that if you if you come to us with a complaint or a pain point, we will help work through it and resolve it. You know, and it's it's everything from retaining key employees who come with an acquisition to making sure all of the correct paperwork is there, that their employee experience coming on is seamless and they don't feel forgotten or God forbid, they have a paycheck messed up, right? You cannot mess around with people's pay, especially with medical support staff. You know, you never want to upset a doctor or a provider, but they can withstand an error through a a payroll cycle. You know, our hourly employees, our office staff cannot. So we really focus on, on getting it right the first time. Definitely. And especially now in a post-COVID era, it's more critical (laughs) to be focusing on some of those things that may have been on, you know, at the top of your list before, but not as high on the list. You know, if you know what I mean, like not number one on the list. So in early July, the Bureau of Labor Statistics released its monthly report citing a record 4.5 million workers who quit or changed jobs since November of 2021. The healthcare industry, which probably doesn't come as much of a surprise to you, Kate, was among the top three industries hit by the latest wave of what we know as the great resignation. Other industries that were most impacted Food services followed closely, like I said, by healthcare and social assistance industries. Did you implement any strategies to avoid turnover at Schweiger to encourage employee retention? And if so, what were those strategies that worked and what didn't work? So the answer is yes, we did. And some some worked and some failed miserably. We did try for those that did not work to kind of that strategy of fail fast, fail frequently. If it didn't work, we moved on. Uh, so one, one important thing, which will probably not be a surprise to anybody 
listening is that as a healthcare company, we are 80% female employees. That includes our providers and our medical staff and our corporate wow. employees. Mm -hmm. I, and I would like to give a special shout out to Dr. Schweiger before I get into this. We our senior leadership team is 50% female. So there's really equity at the top also. That being said, like men and women have, you know, it's 2022, we're all facing the same issues. But we do still see, especially with our medical office staff, some of those like work-life balance issues still remain with our female employees. They might be single mothers, they might be married or in a relationship uh, where they're the primary caretaker of their children or their parents. So we have to work to balance our patient needs and schedule hours, especially post-COVID with our office staff. Uh, you know, there's the classic things you always look at, pay, especially post-COVID, you've heard a lot of noise, people will leave for a dollar. And that is true. An employee will leave for an hourly employee, especially will leave for an extra dollar because that will make a potentially large difference. And there's no negative repercussion at this point in time to doing so. So when we know we're at a good market rate and we're paying you fairly, we still we still look at those. We still do the traditional evaluation every year. You know, should we be looking at our salary bands? Does a particular employee warrant an increase above and beyond the annual merit? Um, we look at benefits, of course, which are always very important to our employees, and we focus every year on trying to make them better and better while maintaining costs for employees, because we know that's part of the total rewards package. But all of that being said, post-COVID, that's not what's going to keep our employees. So what we have found works is, you know, we are a large company. We have 90 offices, 1,300 employees. But... Each medical office is its own environment unto itself. We do have a Schweiger culture where we band together. We have, you know, core values that everyone knows they really do. You know, if you go into any office, they can share them with you. So we, we do things that make everyone understand, like you're part of Team SDG and they feel that and they want to be part of that. But to keep you and to keep you happy, because we want you to be happy, what's happening daily at your office is really important. So we work with our providers and our managers to make sure, like just simple stuff that sometimes people forget. You know, feedback from our staff is always, I'm happy when my provider acknowledges my work. Uh, I'm going to quit. Dr. So-and-so never says good morning to me. You know, those are things we can fix. And oftentimes we have found when we have those one-on-ones with our providers and leaders, they're so happy to have that feedback. You know, recently our VP of HR went out to an office and had a, a, a conversation just like this, where the provider said, you know, I feel so much better having had this conversation with you than when we started this meeting, because I know that I'm a very direct person and I'm here and I want to get the job done. And I had no idea that that was impacting my staff. It wasn't intentional. I didn't mean it. 
And if, if I need to take a couple minutes, say good morning, bring in donuts, whatever, and that's going to make their day better. Like I'm relieved to know what the issue was so I can fix it. So we do simple things like that. We also this year instituted an interesting tool, which is called the predictive index tool. We use it for like whole person review of candidates, but also for retention of our employees. Um, it's not the, this tool is not a driving factor. It's not the final decision maker, but what it allows us to see are the strengths and weaknesses of each individual who takes the test. The whole test takes about two minutes and you say, what can I learn about myself in two minutes? It's amazingly spot on. I'll, I'll send the link to both of you if you're interested. And I was just going to ask, is this software? <laughs> is it a link or... Mm-hmm. It's a link to a software. You answer, you know, about, about 60 questions. It really tells you. two minutes? Hey, 60 questions? Minutes. I, I <laughs> was round. so cynical. So I said, what <laughs> is anything going to tell me in two minutes? What well, might as well have been my husband of 30 years because it, every flaw oh, and wow. every, but not in a bad, like, mm-hmm. but also where the strengths are. But most importantly, what it, the information it gives is, how do you support this person to do good work? How do you support this person to be happy in their work? And how, if you are type A, how do you interact with type B to really make it a cohesive, collaborative experience? Wow. Be very helpful. I will, And it's fun to take when you get the results, you know, so... I will send it and share it with you if you, so things like that. And of course we try to have team building experiences, especially now that we can all gather together safely for those who want to, we do St. Jude walks. We try to have, you know, we used to have a, a giant summit every year in the heart of New York city. And as we've grown, that's got a little harder to do. So we're playing around Good problem to have. Yeah, <laughs> uh, people loved it. People loved getting together and they got really hyped up when Dr. Schweiger would give his, you know, state of the union basically for Schweiger dermatology and people just left so pumped up and that carried us through, you know, we built on that through the year. So now just like everyone else, we're figuring out how does that look remote? Do we do a hybrid thing? But we've kept the philosophy behind it and it's just kind of adapting to the new world. We'll probably never gather, or I should say rarely gather 1300 people into the heart of New York City again, but smaller, smaller group, you know, smaller, large groups. So we try to do things like that. And then, um, we pivoted to stay surveys, which many, many organizations are doing. Like, don't wait until the person's walking out the door and then say, you know, where did I go wrong? Where did I fail you in this relationship? So we, so I kind of think of organizations as beehives and a lot of people talk about teams and th- I think of them as beehives because everyone has a role. You clearly know your role, but in order to, know, support the queen or make honey, you all have to be kind of humming together in sync. So we use those surveys. We we started them with our acquisition offices where it was very, very, very valuable. We could see where the acquisition was working really well or going off the rails a little bit for the employees. And we could in real time 
you know, improvise and adapt and correct. And then we rolled it out to just new hires and at new hire first 90 days at the end of the 90 days, what are you liking? What are you not liking about working at Schweiger Dermatology? You know, sometimes there's a very specific response that has to be addressed for that person. We share that with the GM, but sometimes, you know, mostly it's aggregating the data. Okay. This quarter, these are our five themes. This is this is what people are loving. This is what people aren't liking. And we work with the operation team to try and address some of those core issues. Obviously, we can't fix everything. Right. Uh, but it seems to be working. I will say turnover is still very high. And I think that is, you know, just a fact of, you know, we're a microcosm in a much larger <laughs> You know, definitely. Yeah. And that was something that I also wanted to bring up was this is not unique to Schweiger. You know, this is not unique even to the healthcare industry. I think generally as a trend, we're seeing a lot of people, um, you know, exploring different opportunities right now, especially um, since there is so much flexibility with various work situations. So many companies are going remote. So many companies are going hybrid. And there really is a lot of um people questioning whether they want to leave, stay, change their path. Um, we're seeing a lot of that right now across a number of industries. So it's not unique to Schweiger, but it is really interesting to hear from you about how you're managing um, some of those uh, retention, I'll say retention opportunities. Michelle, I'm sure that we have you've heard similar issues come up with other clients um, in the healthcare industry. What are some of the biggest pain points that you've advised clients through during the pandemic? There are there are actually a few things that are really right in Kate's wheelhouse. I think that all the um, healthcare clients are experiencing these staffing shortages and staffing issues and retention issues and all. And I think that that uh, Schweiger is doing a great job with its tools. So we're dealing with that. Um, the next issue, I I think in any kind of healthcare business today, the uh, regulatory enforcement risks are much higher than they ever were. Um, both just the bread and butter healthcare regulatory billing types of issues, uh, fraud and abuse issues, and then all the, the privacy issues. From if you look about look at where privacy is from ten years ago, um, when we do a transaction, privacy used to be one of the things that was the last thing that anybody would look at. And now you see buyers who are really focusing on making sure that the uh, company is buttoned up on privacy, cybersecurity, and and all. And then the last thing is. When and I spent a lot of time with um, Kate during the pandemic, which is still ongoing. But there were a lot of um, waivers to existing rules in terms of licensure and and billing and compliance that are uh, going to be phased out after the public health emergency ends. Um, so in, in many ways, we were building. I, what I say is we were flying the airplane as we were building it. And um, I think every healthcare company is going to have to pay attention 
on the coming out of this as to how the rules are, are going to change. Um, what are some of the key rules that are going to change? Some of those waivers that we'll be phasing out? I think that um, telemedicine, there were a lot of uh, changes in, te- in the telemedicine space in terms of requiring licensure for um, a provider who in the state in which the uh, person was resident. So I think that may or may not change. I think that certain relaxations of what is expected to be in a medical record, that's going to change. I think that there are multitudes of going to have to really start focusing on them. And Jen, I would only add to that as well. Over the past two years, regulatory agencies, like every other company, were impacted by the pandemic. So their folks weren't coming out for inspections. They weren't, you know, active on some things, which they that they should be, you know, outside of a an international, you know, pandemic. And so we're seeing things to normal in that sense. So many things won't return to normal, but that's that will return to normal. So we've shared with our team, you know, inspections of office sites are a part of our business. You know, we've done them. We've done them for 10 years, 20 years. You're in healthcare. You know how they work. Maybe you forgot a little bit. It's time to dust, you know, dust yourself off and be you know, anticipate that we're going to have these these visits again. So we're really focused this year on, you know, mock internal visits across each surprise unannounced. Here we are. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's better that I come and find something that we're not doing correctly and we fix it together than, you know, we have the real surprise audit. So right. I think all those things are starting up again too. And we're starting to see them. I imagine Michelle's other clients are as well. That's a great idea. The first thing that just came to mind when you said that was like practice fire drills when I was in school, you know, the bell would go off and everyone said, is this a real fire? No, no, no. We're just making sure you know where to go and what to do. So yeah. You're you're right. I mean, I'm starting to see letters from regulatory agencies that we were not getting in the past couple of years. So busy time for compliance and legal advisors. (laughs) So, Kate, I'm interested to know how you work with outside counsel. You know, you certainly have extensive background um, in the healthcare space. And so what is your relationship like with Michelle? How do you how do you guys really work together um, managing some of the legal issues that come up at Schweiger? Well, I think I have a great relationship with Michelle. She was like, I didn't bring Michelle to Schweiger. Michelle was here. And it was so great to have outside counsel who knew the company and cared about the company in a way that you don't always find with outside, you know, their relationships like everything else. And so of course I have. For the record, we did not pay Kate to say that at all. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That is true. So, you know, and, and frankly, I have go-to relationships on different matters. Michelle and her team are definitely our go-to on regulatory on, you know, when we are, especially during acquisition, but we're constantly making changes or modifying, you know, the the way we do things in a particular state or office. If I know the answer cold, you know, of course I have a budget, I'm expected to 
you know, perform towards it. So if I know the issue cold, I don't necessarily double check that with Michelle or other outside counsel. But in healthcare, there are so many gray things. Michelle's a great sounding board. I think I think this is what I'm thinking. Does that sound crazy? Or or Michelle, am I being totally wrong? And I need, you know, when I tell Dr. Schweiger or our CFO, no, we really can't do that. Am I being too risk averse? Bounce those things off, Michelle. But I will also pick up the phone and say, Michelle, I have zero idea what the answer to this current question is. It's a new state or we've never heard of this. Can you and your team help us find the answer? And, um, you know, always, I've, I don't think I've ever had a question that I couldn't get a very quick answer, which again is important. You'll hear You'll hear me say, quick, quick, quick. We have to be fast, but right. So that's how I really leverage uh, both Michelle at Nixon Peabody and you know other firms as well. We are very leanly staffed. We run you know a small team internally. I'm not Amex or Essen. I don't have hundreds of lawyers internally at disposal. So to me, uh, our outside counsel is also. Like, I feel like an ex- it's the extended team. I know I'm going to Michelle for X and I'm going to, you know, attorney so-and-so for, for Y. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a core group that I use. And there are some places we don't use <laughs> because they can't get us the answer quickly or it's too expensive of an answer or it's not right. But, um, but it's always right with Michelle and her team. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's that's very interesting to hear. I, I'm just always curious. You know, I think every company is a little bit different and they use their outside counsel a little bit different. So I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I wanted to turn back to something you said, Kate, when you said that Schweiger is 80 percent women, that really stuck out to me. There are quite a bit of women in the healthcare industry. It really is largely women dominated. What are some of your thoughts on maybe why women are attracted to the healthcare industry? God, that's such a great question. I wish we had hours and hours and I wish we had <laughs> doctors and nurses on here. Mm-hmm. So I think in the traditional healthcare sector, your doctors, your nurses, you know, those are caretaking roles. Those are I'm here to fix people and help people. And I don't want to make a gross generalization, but I think women are often trained, even as they're growing up, oh, how do you serve? You serve by taking care. Mm-hmm. And I I personally think the practice of healthcare, very, you know, truly a good doctor, a good nurse practitioner, a good medical assistant are all supportive of patient care. So personally, that's why I think the practitioners, you know, often go, go into it. I also think like, you know, post the the modern women's movement, it's a great profession. You can support your family, whether with someone else's income or yours alone, you know? So why not be in a profession where you feel you're giving value to the community, but you're also able to make a healthy income. So I'm sure that's a part of it as well. Me personally, what I always I was saying, you know, we're support services. I'm an attorney who focuses on healthcare. I don't drive healthcare, right? I'm there to support right. 
the providers. I personally came to healthcare by accident. <laughs> so I think there's there's a core group of women that happens with too. But when I started to work in the field, what I liked about it was it's it's interesting because it is so complex to Michelle's point legally. There's always something to do. There's always somebody to help, but it's also stable. Healthcare is, you know, things happen, but it's generally a stable, again, profession and environment. And I think, I think that's important for most women. Not every woman. I don't want to say, you know, all, all women feel that way, but I think most women probably tend to look for stability when they're building a life. And uh, like at the best of both worlds, you're at an entrepreneurial healthcare company, which has innovation and stability, and it's a win-win for, you know, the doctors and the, and the staff that surround it. Yeah. If I were going to be negative, I would also say healthcare probably has had open doors for women for several generations that other industries haven't. Okay. Banking and finance were probably more closed to women until recently. And yeah, and we've spoken about that on past episodes too. We had an episode on private equity where we spoke about uh, the fact that there really aren't a whole lot of women in the private equity space. Um, and so it's, especially in the accounting, the legal space, you know, the finance space, just like you were saying, it's not as prevalent. So it's also, oh, go ahead, Michelle. I need to say something there because I've been doing this a long time and always for, for years and years, I was always the only woman at the table. It seems like I was the only woman who was raising my children and working. The women who are now in their 30s, and I look at them. When I look at our team at Nixon Peabody, I'm so proud of them. And because they are all, they're raising children and they're working and they have each other, they have colleagues. And I do a lot of these private equity deals. And it is so cool now to be at the table with corporate lawyers who are female, then it's not all men. And they, they, a lot of them have children. So it's really changed a lot. I know that there's still oh, more men and there, you know, and all of that, but it's so rewarding to see that, like to be on a deal and have so many women around the table on a deal, both at the private equity side, the client side, the lawyer side, it's kind of cool. And then you see that they, they have like kids and they're making it work. And then I have to also say, that a lot of their husbands are really in there with them, with the kids. And it's really cool to watch. Just wanted to, to say that when I know that we could be very critical of other industries and all, because it's still hard, but there's been a, a real change that I've seen. Maybe I've just been doing this for so long. So, Oh, it's such an important point though, where you started and saw and what you see now. I think we can forget that sometimes like, how much different and better it can be. But I think an important, like interesting thing you said, Michelle, was that now you have the husbands in too, right? And there's maybe, maybe not 
not in every instance. I don't know, know every marriage, but maybe marriages now in that regard, both are working really important jobs and there's a bigger split and men are less afraid to say that, which I think has helped men. And it's, it's really cool to see men take paternity leave and or uh, parental leave and everybody. I just see it where I never saw it. So yeah, I agree. I also think Michelle to that point is a reflection of support from the employer as well. You know, I know that here at Nixon, I know that we have a lot of very inclusive policies and that that's very intentional. And I gather from what Kate has said that they do as well. I know that, you know, there were previous places where I worked where policies were not as inclusive. And so uh, it wasn't as easy to just take time to go take my kids to the doctors or, um, you know, to have to choose work versus choosing, you know, to go do something for, for my kids. So I think it is a direct reflection also of employers and the importance of coming up with really inclusive policies and procedures for all of your employees, not just your women, men too, you know, encouraging them to take that paternity leave and encouraging them to, you know, everybody take advantage of the benefits that are all out there too. That's really, that's encouraging to hear, but I also want to know from both of you, And this is something that I typically hit on at the end of the conversation, but it just seems so right right now. I'd like to hear from both of you. You two are working in some very, very busy, demanding roles. And what are some of your biggest tips for work-life balance to other women entrepreneurs out there? You go first, Kate. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) Michelle, you go first. So I'm laughing, Jen, because... I don't always have great work life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I recognize that we're not perfect. Like this is not perfect, but in an ideal world, like on a good day, when you really feel like, okay, I might be getting this down right before something else throws a wrench in it. (laughs) So my tongue in cheek answer is the best thing to do is have children who grow up to know everything And when they're around like 17 or 18 and onward, they're going to tell you every time you're doing something. So my kids (laughs) are my police that, you know, when they're home, mom, it's nine o'clock, shut the computer off. (laughs) It's Saturday. So they kind of hold me accountable. But, you know, all joking aside, number one thing you can do hard learned is I know it's not always possible but work at a company that respects you and respects they are getting your full, you know, 100% work and your devotion to the company, but they respect that you have a life and that you have a family. I mean, that to me is huge. Um, And I've worked at places that didn't and then was lucky enough to be able to leave those places. And I've worked at companies that were, fully supportive, you know, and, and now today. So I think that's, that's important. Post COVID, I think we all kind of went, Oh, am I still doing what I want to do? Did I want this 10 years ago, but I don't want it anymore. And if you're lucky enough to be in that type of situation, you know, I think it's great to reevaluate boundaries and, and priorities in the midst. When New York was shutting down, do you remember when everything was just going totally crazy, especially in New York first? 
we shut down our offices for like eight weeks and we had to, we had all of these humans we had to take care of and do things. And we were all working around the clock. And then I think what happened was we became accustomed to that. And then we, it was like 18 hour day. And I know we're all like attorneys. So we've done those. <laughs> but at some point I had to stop and I know others had to stop. And so, well, wait a minute, that was important in that three to six month cycle, but do I still need to be doing that today? No, probably 10 hours a day is fine. So drawing boundaries. Definitely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Michelle, what about you? Kate, what you said about working in the right place, I think is very important. I was just talking to my son about this last night, that this is now the third law firm that I've been at. And um, I couldn't have accomplished all that I accomplished at the first one or the second one. I, they were great places, but this firm gave me the ability to do a lot of things and respected that I had family that I wanted to be with. It's not even that that was the most important thing to me. And I, I just think also that we're all type A personalities and we all give 110%. And we should just believe that we are as good as we really, really are. Like the kids are going to be fine because you worry about it. If you didn't worry about it, then they wouldn't be fine. So we all worry about it, right? So they're going to be fine because we're doing the things that we feel they need to do. Some people wouldn't worry about it. And it's okay to have a sense of humor. You have to have a sense of humor about all these things. None of, nothing's perfect. But we were, we were all came into these places and had the kids where we thought that things had to be perfect. And they don't. That's just not life. So, But you only know that later. But I think the Kate, first thing you said, I think is probably the most important thing is to be in a place where you're respected as an individual and you could do the things that you want to do and how you want to do them. And the other thing is, is you can't do everything. Sometimes work takes a backseat. Sometimes the kids will be fine if you put them in front of the TV. And sometimes there could be six, a six month period where work does have to take the backseat and you have to take a pay reduction and you have, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day. Definitely. Before we wrap up, I'd like to hear a little bit about the future of Schweiger. Kate, can you hit on what does the future of Schweiger dermatology look like? And what are you really excited about right now for Schweiger or for Kate Woods? Oh, gosh. <laughs> so many things. But for, for Schweiger, for our team at Schweiger, I think the future is really, really exciting. We just continue to grow. Uh, our, our team members like, continue, I think, to really partner with us to tell us why they do want to stay and how, you know, what's great about it. So I think, you know, at this company, everyone on any given day, as they say, is happy to be here to the earlier conversational points important, not because every day is super easy or, you know, that there's not stressful things, but I think we all believe in cliche as it is the mission of the company, which is, we'll hear Dr. Schweiger say, it's to provide the ultimate patient experience. And how does each role impact that? So we're constantly talking about that. So growth, 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 and to make it an organization 
very important to us that providers want to be at. And we get very positive uh, feedback, both verbally and just by staying from our providers. They like being here at this practice, which is led by a doctor, which I think is important. So just the growth, you know, and the ability to advance care for our patients. We have some excellent, like world-renowned dermatologists here. And there's always a new technology or something they're doing for patients and really out there looking. So I find that exciting. And uh, I do really find the growth exciting and personally exciting. Like, like Michelle, I have children in college or recently graduated from college. So I'm looking forward to them kind of starting, you know, post college adult or quasi adult lives, you know, whatever we're calling 20 year olds now. And that relieves some of my responsibilities. So I feel a little bit like maybe not quite a teenager, but a little bit of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get a little of your time back, a little of my time back, you know, a little bit more free time and a little bit more spending money for me. Ooh, it's a lot to be excited about, Kate. Definitely. Both from Schweiger's standpoint and for Kate's standpoint. So (laughs) Michelle, what's a trend that you're seeing right now or something that you're working on that's really exciting for you? So I, I love, I love the work I do, you know, with my clients and growing them. That's a lot of fun. The real exciting work I do is one of the not-for-profits I work with, which is RIP medical debt. And what they do is they buy and forgive medical debt. So I was one of the people who got into healthcare many years ago um, because I kind of, I felt like healthcare was a place where I could make money and do good things and I was always attracted to the type of people that were in healthcare. And as time has gone on, um, I think I've become more of a socialist than I used to be. So I love my private equity work. I love to see the growth in the businesses. But the thing that gets me really excited is this work I do for RIP and seeing that they're really involved in the space where they can help people and also maybe impact policy because I think that healthcare needs to, it needs to change in this, in this country. That's what I'm really excited about. Not that I'm not excited about regular work that I do. Michelle, that sounds so interesting. Well, so first of all, here I'm like, woo, I can go have dinner. And you're like, I'm going to save the world. But I would love to actually hear more about that because medical debt is a serious issue for people in this country. Okay. I feel like you're just, you're throwing a softball at me because right now I'm just going to put a plug in there for everybody to go listen to the She Talks Law episode that we had with Allison Sesso as the CEO over there at RIP Medical Debt. So definitely go check out that episode. Um, But last question for both of you before we wrap it up here. What's the one thing that you both hope our audience takes away from today's episode? I hope that people realize that being a lawyer does not have to be a drag. It could be a lot of fun and you can meet a lot of fun people. And, and I think that what I get sad sometimes about is that there's this impression that lawyers, like it's a slog and I, and it is sometimes be a slog, but when you're working with 
um, other smart people solving problems and, and seeing the results. It, it could be a lot of fun too. And look at all the fun, nice people you get to meet and work with. So that's kind of what I'm hoping that people come away from. It could be kind of cool to be a lawyer and doing the things that we're doing. Yeah, I think that's right. I was going to say, I hope they take away that healthcare is an interesting field and profession, but I think Michelle's right, even more so. Like healthcare is fun. Being a lawyer can be fun, and you don't have to pigeonhole yourself. I'm a lawyer, can only review contracts, I can only be a litigator. There's a lot of doors you can walk through. And I think in healthcare, if I had one takeaway, it would be that if you're in the healthcare space, you can have like five different careers in a lifetime. It feels like to me, I feel like I've constantly through the years been able to do something a little different because the leaders in healthcare will give you the space to do it. This is part of the reason why I love doing this podcast so much is because when we have these conversations, each person picks something different that really stood out to them in the conversation. And I have to say, if I could pick one thing that I hope our audience takes away from today, it's that navigating post-pandemic work life is not a one-size-fits-all, that there are several strategies that we can learn from other businesses. What works for Schweiger might not be what works for another their business, even another healthcare business. But there are certainly little tips and tricks and little nuggets that we can pick up from each other along the way. And I think as long as we are open to supporting one another and having open lines of communication, you know, we can, we can make this transition a little bit easier for everyone. I wanted to thank both of you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks, Kate. Time. Fun. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'll look forward to hearing it. Michelle and Kate, I want to thank you both for joining me and sharing your insights on today's episode of She Talks Law. If you're listening and enjoyed our conversation, subscribe to our show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We want to hear from you. Like and follow She Talks Law on Instagram and Facebook and email your comments and topic suggestions to shetalkslaw at nixonpeabody.com. And finally, the views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of Nixon Peabody and should not be construed as legal advice. This podcast is not intended to create a lawyer-client relationship, and listeners should not act upon anything expressed by presenters without seeking professional counsel. This podcast may constitute attorney advertising under various state ethics rules, and we note prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome.